0: Uh, Tristan, what episode is this? This is, this is episode 14. fourteen. Man, y'all banging these things out. Yeah, we have we've we've done a lot. Um,
1: we we've, we've been saying this this quarantine's been like a blessing in disguise because it's it's very easy to get a hold of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then well, even, easier, easier. And then and then just for us, it's like we don't really have much going on either. So why not hop on a
2: call for forty-five to an hour and just kind of chat. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I was uh, mentioned in the wheel, too. I was looking in to do something similar to this. Uh, but I think y'all have a much more uh, serious per- focus and purpose. So it's, it's pretty cool, man. Um, so, <clears throat> E.L., I, I know you a bit um,
0: based on, obviously, the uh, the X connection. The three of us all went to St. of X. And mm-hmm. um, I, when I first started watching basketball and falling in love with the game was kind of almost right around when you guys had your run
2: yeah
0: and and um my stepdad at the time we had just moved to the south end and he would buy us um the tickets to go to the metro center to watch those games so i actually wasn't like playing basketball at end back then i i started watching the raptors when ctv started showing them when vince was going crazy and we we went to the March Madness at the uh, at the Metro Center and I mean you could say the rest is history but that's kind of where X for me became like the 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 standout. I was with, when when I started playing basketball at a, at a more competitive level, that's when um, that's essentially right after that time. So that's how I kind of know you in a sense where I was watching you play at the Metro Center and win at the highest level there is in Canada. Mm-hmm. So for me, this is really exciting because not only did I see you guys win, um, uh, back to backs, but I also, I don't know if you remember, but I'm, there was one time when I, uh, I used to go to Dalplex when we moved, my, my parents bought me a membership to Dalplex. And I think I got to play against you one time when I was in high school. And we, I think we may have matched up in a run, like a, just like a, a silly scrimmage. And in my head, I'm like, yo, like,
2: I'm playing against a, a national <laughs>
0: national winning point guard right now. Like it was one of those things that's always stood out to me. Like you probably just like who the hell is this little this guy? I don't. You might not say little because we're both probably the same. We're right around the same stature, right? So okay. But yeah. But that 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 always stood out to me. So that's just kind of giving some people some backdrop um, to how I know you. Now that being said, um, I, I I went on your Facebook and creeped a bit. You you're you're working with Merrick Palmer. Is that correct? Or?
2: Oh, well, we, uh, have some things in the works for okay. Merrick, um, and the ex alum as well. Uh, yes. he has a, an, an, academy sports academy in, um, Orleans, uh, the outskirts of Ottawa, uh, okay. it just being a, a sports site, um, kind of player development role with uh, him and he has a team, uh, a girl's team. Okay. So we linked up and we just connected because he has something crazy going down in his uh, training grounds. Okay. Um, and I, just, I love working with athletes. Y'all know how it is uh, being athletes and loving the sport. Uh, I just wanted to be able to combine basketball and mental health at the same time. Is, is he currently living is uh, outside of Ottawa? No, I, I'm actually living in um, Kingston, Ontario. It's about an hour 30. It's uh, where Queen's University is. Uh, an old uh, roommate of mine, an old teammate, he played with the team, and Daniel J.D. He's a physiotherapist here. So I'm I working think I met him. Gym. I yeah, think yeah. I'm,
0: he was at the uh, reunion.
2: Yep, yep. Tr- yeah,
0: Tristan would have been too young for that. That was actually really fun too. So I didn't mean to jump the gun and kind of um, okay. jump to the, the professional side of things first, but I'm, we're just going to essentially, do you want to just break down how you uh, kind of growing up I, I believe my knowledge is you're from the the USA, yep. Um And coach always told us a crazy story about how you got to Saint Avex, but kind of give people a, and I mm-hmm. just the the story and also where you grew up and how you came to Saint Avex and how you live in Canada now.
2: Uh, yeah, it was um, it was a crazy uh, twist of fate. Um, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina, born and raised, played uh, high school ball, uh, AAU ball um i really didn't start playing basketball until probably seventh grade i had a few spans with it and i didn't like it my mom taught me how to play and uh uh the charlotte hornets came and i kind of took a liking to Muggsy boats so hey. once yeah once then in lj larry johnson's always my favorite player of all time you know what i mean it uh, was nice yeah for sure uh and I played, and once uh, high school was over, I played with a lot of dominant players, people who went to D1, and I wasn't getting the looks that I the, the looks that I wanted. So then I went to prep school in um, a <clears throat> prep school in uh, Phillips Academy. It's called Phillips Academy in Andover, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. I mm. uh, played some major comp, you know, I was averaging like 21, still wasn't getting a look, I'm 5'9", I was probably 135 then, so people were highly doubtful of my uh, ability to uh, endure a season. I recruited myself, and there's a blue book, and I was um, looking through the blue book of, uh, of all the schools, D1, D2, D3, uh, and I looked through, there was a St. Francis Xavier University, I think in Brooklyn, New York, in uh, Pennsylvania somewhere. So I called the one in Pennsylvania. It was D1. And I said, well, this is a mid-major. Maybe I can, you know, crack the lineup or at least the roster. And I called. I ended up calling Coach K, St. Francis Xavier in Nova Scotia. So we're talking, we're chopping it up. And he's like, well, let me ask you, where are you from? Because I hear your accent. And I said, well, I'm in Boston by way of Charlotte, blah, 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 blah. And um, he gave me the right number. He said, well, I think you're looking for this school. Gave me the right number. And that was it. But the next day, he called back to the prep school, Phillips Academy, and at the time, my coach, uh, Leon Modesti, they started talking, and they realized they knew each other because coaches from New York, my coach yeah. was from New York, and then he just kept recruiting me. Came down to North Carolina, met my folks, took us out to eat, and I just, I just took a leap of faith, man. That's that's actually, I, uh,
0: you hear it, you hear it from from coach, but you to hear it from you and to see like kind of how your your whole goal was to, to wind up in the States at a D1, mid-major, mm-hmm. even maybe high or low, anywhere in D1, and then to just go to Annie Ganesh.
2: Right. Oh, is, yeah.
0: is, it's almost insane to think, right?
2: It is because he came down to see me, so I never visited uh, campus. <laughs> so my first time was my first day coming to campus and then, you know, the the, the airport, and then there's nothing but trees <laughs> in between the airport and, and uh, uh, Annie Ganesh. So the whole time I'm just doubting. I said, "Man, this was the wrong thing. This is nothing. There's trees. There's no, you know, there's no cities. There's no buildings." And then we got there, and uh, it was a wonderful time,
1: man. I think that just that just speaks on the kind of coach that Coach K is. Because if he had if he had the ability to give to to make you trust him enough to go to a new country, uh, a school that you've never even visited before, I think that that speaks volumes on his ability to recruit players because i'm even thinking of my own experience i used i just graduated with a with a guy from brooklyn new york okay. uh, who grew up he's, he's from long island grew up played high school basketball there and then it was through coach k's brother tom um, that found the connection from brooklyn to anaganish and so th- this isn't just a one-time like Fate that you
2: experience, like this, this happens a lot. Oh yeah, coach, uh, coach got a sweet mouthpiece on him. You know what I mean? He, he knows how to talk it. He knows how to talk it. And what, what really convinced me is that he convinced my moms and my pops because they were like, you know, I was graduating and I was like, well, maybe I'll wait a year further after my my prep school year. And my mom was like, you can't stay here. Like you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna be 18. You gotta get out the house get up, do something. So it was either work or go play basketball. So they convinced him, and that led to me getting kicked out the house.
0: I'll, 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 I'll piggyback on Tristan, also to the point that y- you phoned him almost as a – it was almost like, oh, I don't want you. I'm looking for the other, the right. other university. And he, he didn't even take that as disrespect. He, he thought, wait a minute, let me check this guy out, and then, and then phoned back and be like, I actually want this guy, and I had no idea who he is.
2: Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was nice about it. He said, "Well, here's what you're looking for." But uh, the same thing, or the same way that Tristan uh, mentioned, uh, his brother came to uh, recruit or to scout and and you know get the lowdown on some people that were on my player uh, on my uh, my team in high school, West Charlotte High School. Okay. And I had some major players. Like, dude went to Kentucky. Another dude uh, went to uh, Florida for football. But we had powerful athletes at my school. Man, powerful athletes. So. His brother remembered me just from watching the main, the main event, the main character. You know what I mean? That
0: that that makes sense because I was just talking to him the other day, and he, he talked about his brother has, does not forget a thing about basketball. He remembers everything. So that I can understand everything that you're you're saying right now.
2: Yeah, it must be in the genes because coach doesn't forget either. He, like he, he doesn't. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. When, when you got to Andy um, for like after landing in the airport, did you who who were your the first players that you met on the team? That, that uh, you
2: got introduced to? Yeah, the first actual the first person I met was a football player, but he was a roommate of our one of our team captains So our team captain was out and uh, the three we call ourselves the three amigos uh, the three rookies of the year me uh, Jonathan Daniel and the guy named Paul Ricketts okay. and uh, me and JD we met one time and we were connected at the hip since then so them and then the older cats uh, Halifax cats, uh, Fred Perry Jordan Croucher, Danny Oliver, uh, Billy O'Neill, and then um, the rest of the team. Uh, a lot of Ottawa guys, uh, Jason Kurzweil, and Tom Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, we just kind of met, but the first three rookies we met, and it was it was cool.
0: Um, now uh, when you, when you got there, like we we ask all of our guests that are student athletes. Um, it usually comes up as a topic. Was was, uh, student was athletics and, um, education. Like, did they hold equal weight for you when you first got saint of X? What were uh, we find? Like we found that a few, actually a majority of, of athletes kind of find after their second, third year, that's when the educational side of things start hitting them in the face and they start realizing, okay, like, I'm just, I'm just wondering because you're clearly very successful. Um, you know, uh, in terms of after basketball, so I'm wondering if you always if you went into university with the idea like I know what I'm going to do like I'm going to be a psychologist. This is what I'm like. How did that come about?
2: Oh uh, no, um, I guess I'll take the, the the first question. I went in there with the academic expectation to succeed, but uh, I took old habits to a a new game and a new uh, level of discipline, a new level of commitment and study. So it's kind of like eating fork, uh, or eating, um, soup with a fork. I, I, I was unsuccessful. I was doing it, but it wasn't successful. And I had to step my game up as far as studies, as far as attention to detail. And, um, cause I always had straight A's in high school, but when I got to prep school, my prep school was, was pretty challenging. And, um, it did the same on to, to St of So I signed up for business and thinking I was going to be, you know, willing and Dylan on wall street. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really found the material boring, just for me. Uh, so that lessened the motivation. Uh, basketball was good, to tell you the truth. It was fun, but the academics, um, it didn't smack me in the face. It, it was just so much I wasn't as interested as I should have been. Uh, and then after the first semester, Coach K brought me in and said, look, your, your grades are slipping. Like, what's up? I promised your parents that this is what's going to happen, and you're not holding up your end of the bargain making me look bad. You know, You know, pick yourself up and let's do this. Um but I happened to get into a psychology uh, ba- uh, basic psychology uh, course, and it kind of uh, brought out uh, an interest in me that I've always had. I just never had something to define it. And um, from there, I was loving psychology, So I switched my uh, major to the um, psychology stream uh, over the summer, took summer courses to catch up and full throttle from there.
0: Uh, did you and you stayed, you stayed in Annie Ganesh for the summer course and everything?
2: Yeah, I did a lot of summer courses. I did one summer course at St. Mary's, so I had to go to, to Halifax for a summer, which was kind of cool. Played pickup at... Uh, the runs? At SMU, yeah, SMU, where Quackenbush was uh, the coach, <laughs> kicking us did out. He, <laughs> he did, us out. <laughs>
0: did he play when you played? Did he play in the runs? Because I remember he used to play a bit in some of the runs. Guys he would did. always say he smelled
2: like gear. <laughs> like <he'd... laughs> oh, man. I don't, I don't know what his hygiene was, but it, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't memorable. I just remember, yeah, he was... um. Kicking us out because he said this is for X uh, and this is for St. Mary's players, not X. I I would go with Danny Oliver or uh, Fred Perry. Yeah. Go and run pickup, and we would we would get some some wins in there. And he's like, well, look, of course. you're playing more than my players, so get out. Right. So, uh, I, I
0: I witnessed that a bit when I was uh when I was in my uh, Jonah Jonah actually threatened to, to uh, ban me from St. Mary's for good because I was working out in the weight room before the runs because the guys always showed up late. <laughs> and, he, and he he went around telling guys to tell me that if if I keep working out, he's going to kick me out, and I can't play in the runs anymore. So it's funny how it kind of falls falls yeah. down the line. You know what I mean?
2: They like got um, generational issues there. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Um, <laughs> kind of touching on what you just said, do you, do, you, do you find it really like is that an important thing for kids to understand when they're going to university to to find like I find a lot of university athletes um, that I played with. If, if, if athletics is on your mind at first it's almost like this the, uh, the educational side of what you're actually taking not just like trying to pass but like what you're taking whether you're engaged whether you actually enjoy what you're doing because what you said is I think it, it could be it's it's prominent for a lot of student athletes in university that well I'm in this course like I don't I just don't like it I don't, it, it doesn't it doesn't give me the 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 want to even go to class or to even listen to what's going on. Like how important is that for guys or, or girls going to university to pick something that they enjoy?
2: Uh, it's, it's highly important because uh, if you enjoy it, then you don't need much motivation to go. Like once I switched from marketing or business to psychology, like I was, I was really interested in going, I was wanting to go. I wasn't wanting to leave. Whereas with business, I was in there and it was just like fog. It was buzz and I was just wasting time not really um absorbing any of the information i had great teachers and they were nice guys uh, and girls but um at the same time i wasn't i wasn't invested so it made that task that much harder and i think when you go in there you you we're student athletes and you can debate whether we're there for our athletic ability or are we there to be students that's kind of uh up for debate but uh you really have to think about long term and you have to think about if i'm going to be here how can I get the most out of this experience, not just athletically, but academically? What will give me the best experience and what will, you know, help me grow? It's like my uncle said, every level or every next level is going to uh, require a different you. So if you're going from next level to next level to next level, what's going to be the best situation for you to be as invested and get the most out of it?
1: Hmm. I, lo- I love that because uh... – I studied business myself, but I also took a few psychology courses um, which my interest in psychology actually started in high school, Um, but obviously I just wanted to focus on business in university, but I am kind of want to take this as an opportunity because I know that you're a psychologist and someone who studies psychology. It was most interesting to me because... I I almost feel like it's applicable in everyday life where I can have a conversation with someone and kind of think back onto the psychology side of things and and why are they thinking that way or why are they behaving that way? Um, Taking business, business was, is obviously my main focus in everything, but I can relate to you needing to be engaged or, or, um, passionate about what you're studying because I took a course, um, in school that was digital design a part of the business course and mm. I just I coasted through that it was just it was hitting me going through one ear out the other I had to do these assignments and practices but I never really took a major interest in it until I started this podcast with uh, Will I've been having to design these YouTube thumbnails and I've had to design Instagram posts and, and I find myself using the exact same programs I was taught back in school. But mm. I didn't really have uh, a focus or a direction or somewhere to apply that. How how is, how is psychology for you, now that you are a psychologist, how does that apply every day in life? Um, do you use it on a daily basis or
2: only for work? Uh, well, I try to separate a bit just because... Um Once work is done, I want to be done with that, to have a a different um, border or boundary. Make sure I know my boundaries so I don't take the client stuff home with me. But at the same time, with psychology and with um, some of those soft skills that we uh, even use in basketball, like just discipline, just focus, uh, I've had to be more more, um, attentive to detail. I really have to watch my details and how I write my notes, and the words that I say, and how I'm trying to communicating thing uh, communicate things. So I'm not seeing um, seeming too judgmental, mm. but also inquisitive, so that I can help uh, people tell their stories. Um, but I think every day there's some bit of psychology that I can use. It's just knowing uh, when it makes sense and when it's necessary versus I just want to have a conversation with uh, with Tristan and Will.
0: Sure.
1: Sure, that makes sense. And you were a point guard, uh, playing when you played
2: basketball. Yes, point. Yeah, five nine man. They won't let you. <laughs> they won't let me be Allen Iverson like I want to. Right. <laughs> and well, and, and you, can, you can make the argument that point
1: guards are the ones that are the smartest or have to use their mind the most.
2: Of they're is expected that, to be. Yeah.
1: Uh... Is that a big reason, like, why you you fell into what you do now and and the love for psychology?
2: Uh, I think the love of psychology was just um, yeah, because on the point, being a point guard, you have to be able to 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 manage for the coach. So the coach is more sitting back and we're micromanaging our players. So you do have to have some type of insight. You have to have some type of uh, uh, ideas of of what you want to use uh, or what plays you want to call. Sure. But I think that if you look at a psychology piece, it's more of the competition. It's more of how can I get into my competitor's head how can I support my team at the same time and how can I remain stable and and, and unshakable while there's so much chaos going on uh, but if you if you if you look at why I got into psychology it was just so much that I I like profiles like in a in a sense I've always liked to hear about people's uh like like serial killers like uh, and mobsters and people's backgrounds where they've come from Cause you get to understand and it's kind of, it's not the idea of excusing, like sometimes with behavior, you don't want to excuse their behavior, but you do want to understand, understand where this person is coming from. Cause therefore we can try to treat or help or, or um, interact with them better. Mm.
0: That that ties in huge in terms of uh, our last, second last guest, Shanika Wood. She talked a lot about, she's uh, in her second year of law school. Mm-hmm. And she talks a lot about um, justice system, how, it's important to understand the background of people that make poor decisions to figure out why they made the decisions, rather than penalize them without even understanding why. Because most likely, that will never solve the issue for them or for other people that are headed down
2: the mm-hmm. same
0: path or following the same kind yeah. of patterns. So, so it's all.
2: So, go ahead. Do
0: I, I was just say it's interesting you, for you to say that because it it tie they tie in so much with each other, right? Oh, for
2: sure. I, I think, uh, and I think I saw snippets of hers. Um, I was trying to watch uh, different um, sections of it. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a, it's a great point or just something to consider because uh, if you penalize people or if you discipline people, one thing is to let them know what they did wrong. And secondly, is to understand why they made this choice, what the decision that that brought them to this activity or this action. So then you can help you know, it, it, the idea is that you go into the prison or you go into the legal system to help re- rehabilitate. But exactly. if you just put somebody in a box and say, okay, yep, bad, you know, slap their hand, and then you leave them, then you're just leaving the same person here probably to, to become go, more <laughs> angry, you know what I mean? So, so uh, true. It's, it's really about understanding people. And I I, I want to reiterate, I, I don't think you excuse people's behavior, but you do no. try to understand them. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um. Speaking on um, psychology, do you, do
0: you wish that uh, you were as knowledgeable now um, when you played with your teammates back in uh, back in the day and you could uh, have a better understanding of what people were saying when they were saying it or or like talk about let's let's talk about the um, the dynamic the culture in terms of the, the, your your team when you guys won because you guys were highly highly you're the last Saint of X team to win a national championship back to back and uh just talk about the uh the mm. team culture between i mean i've heard a million things i, I wasn't there you know right. i've heard i've heard guys were yelling at each other like telling each other to shut up or sit down yeah. or w- all that so wh- yeah. like give give people insight a little bit in terms of those those teams and, yeah, and like how culture how they function and 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 also on top of that how you coming from where you came being a successful point guard and a really exceptional player um not to say that you weren't, you weren't, uh, you weren't doing any, like you were, you were a big time player at X, but you weren't start. How, how is it? I'm trying to say, cause I, for me, similar words, <laughs> uh, being, a, being a backup player, but easily being able to start on, um, mo- most other teams in the conference, you know what I mean? Maybe in the country. So there's that dynamic plus the team dy- dynamic. How did you kind of, uh, deal with that throughout your time at X?
2: Um, yeah, I think uh, the culture of our team it, it was what you it, it was it was more brotherly. So it wasn't more that we were at each other's throats because of dislike. It was more so that we were supportive of each other, and I think we had a a bunch of young dudes who could understand that. We could understand that this guy's not telling me to to to, to straighten up. This guy's not telling me to to focus or whatever. He's not cussing me out because he dislikes me. He expects better he knows i'm better so therefore i can receive it better that still didn't make it um that did, still didn't prevent us from like there was there was like a few fights and there was uh always somebody cussing at each other but we knew that uh, that we all were 12 15 for one common goal and how can we make this work and the competitors we were all competitive it was it wasn't one person on our team like from the 15th man to the first man, like they get out there and they bust you up if you slip, you know what I mean? And they weren't giving you anything. Not at all. And they will let you know about it. And it, it, was, it was something beautiful to, to be part of that, because uh, once that team, um, just from natural progression, people fifth year, and they graduate. Once that team left, we had a lot of great players come in and try to fill in those pieces. But that that word of chemistry, like we talk about it, but man, that is something so valuable, and it's it is hard to really get at a, a level of a hundred. So when we were out there competing, and we were just trying to make sure that this is the best from us. And if I'm if uh, it's like that, that 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 term iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm sharp, then you're going to be sharp. If I'm busting you up, because no word of a lie. Uh, sometimes. Uh, my second year, my first year I was young, dumb, and I'm just, it's like I'm on a team with these dudes, Brandy, Fred, all these boys, like they they bad boys and I'm their little brother, so this is how it's supposed to be. The second year, once you win and everybody's coming at your throats, then you start to have your eyes wide open and realize, man, this is this is tough. Like the worst team, uh, let's say, I'm not going to say names, but one of the teams that was the worst would bring their A game, their Super Bowl game, and you're like, how yeah. is this dude hitting all these shots? This dude can't make a free throw. Right. But now he's becoming correct. He's busting me up. So let me sharpen up. So we were able to make our practices so hard that the games were easy. Cause I think our margin of victory, my second year, was uh maybe twenty point was our margin of victory every game. Interesting. Or for the season. For the season. And to be on the team, I was new and coming from my background, like in the South, we're like, yo, you put your pants on the same way I do. So let's see what's gonna happen here. Let let's see when we do who's gonna come out, you know, standing and who's gonna be laying down. And I would go with my hardest at certain people, but Randy Knorr, he was probably six feet, two hundred. I'm um, five nine, 135, one forty. Another guy named Isaac King, he was built like a like a goddess, like a god, like a Greek god, like body chiseled, kind of like a six foot version of Dwight Howard. And he was just strong, he was he was smart and he was skilled. So I was really taking some lumps at first, but uh, once I started to get the hang of things and I found my, my, my niche because I couldn't be the scorer. We had Fred Perry, who was you know, scoring at Will, a uh, uh, Canadian version of Paul Pierce. Um, you had Randy, who was our floor general. You had Denny, who was really skilled. He could do anything great. Um, Jordan was a great shooter. I just said, man, I'm a defender. And again, it goes back to the Boats. Bogues. I'm just gonna dig into him. And I was always in my mind saying, I'm going to, to disrupt these people. I'm going to disrupt right. them, make them mad, make the make their point guard not even want to bring the ball up. Let's get it to the two guard. And now their whole system is disrupted, and I've done my part. That That's so important because, like, you just described the fact that you accepted your role. Role acceptance.
1: Far, far, yeah. far too often in my own experiences where, I, where I've been on teams with cultures that guys refuse to accept their role for the greater good of the team because in their mind – I'm the best and coaches hating on me because I'm not getting any time. Hmm. I just, I just, or love- getting
0: the shot or getting the shots, or or I, shots. I can't shoot the shots that I did in high school. I, and
1: so what, what I, what I uh, noticed, or what I highlighted just from what you said is the ability for you guys to receive information in the right way. Mm-hmm. It's so important because like the cultures, and it's just the difference between a championship culture and a team that doesn't, doesn't succeed is that, Far too often, guys just don't receive the information
2: in the right ways. Right, and it, it's that idea of being—I don't want to say be grown about it, but it's um, no, it is. Try, try, try to
0: <laughs> It is straight up. It, it really is. I mean, you're being you're being nice about it, but it's 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 under it's accepting that. Listen, we're we're all in, in this together, and mm. you're either you're either back in high school complaining and and talking to your your mom or your dad when you go home and angry about. Why the coach did this, or why so and so didn't pass you the ball when you were open on the in the the corner? But like you said, it's it's you're grown up and you you accept your you have to accept it.
2: Mhm. Well, it, it, I mean, did I want to score 30? Yeah, that's good. But I think if you give me 20 shots, and then you were to give Denny Oliver 20 shots, you're gonna have a totally different outcome. Mm-hmm. It's like giving Kevin Garnett. Uh, or Kevin Durant, 20 shots versus Kendrick Perkins, 20 shots. Like, who's going to be the best for our our team to succeed? Because uh-huh. at the end of the game, if I got 30, but we lost by 30, I mean, I mean that, that turns some people's crank. But to me, I'm just trying to win. And I've always been on winning programs. So, except for when I went to prep school where we had just a bit of dip. But everything, everywhere else, I've been on winning programs. AAU, high school, middle school. So, I want to win. Uh-huh. And I think... If you can understand that or people can say that role acceptance doesn't mean that you diminish your skill. You just contribute in. Um, it's not about you uh, being the system. It's about you adding to the system like you make so that. Important. system better. You know what I mean? So
0: important. Um, do, you, do you think it's important for guys on the team that have those roles as the scorer, as the all Canadians to to do they owe guys like you or the um, the guy setting the screens did they did they show love? Because um, it's also one of those things where it's like exactly what you're talking about. There's ways of finding making your role important and making it known to fans, to boosters, to your teammates that listen. Like I'm I might not be scoring 23 points a game, but yo know, I'm I'm getting a couple cookies a game. I'm getting a couple easy lay, uh, easy buckets for us a game like I'm I'm changing a I'm I'm Not valuable. We're going on we're going on runs because I'm I'm pressuring their point guard they can't set up that you know what exactly we talk about but did you find your teammates understood that acknowledged it like, did you guys show each other love instead of like guys just being like well I'm you know I'm all Canadian like if it wasn't for me we wouldn't be here
2: No 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 they were uh, <laughs> they were they were I think I think their personality <laughs> They were braggers, but as athletes, they were very, they, like our IQ that year was 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 really high. And they, to knew, they, they knew to, to get this shot, this dude had to set that screen. Like there was one guy on our team, uh, Jason Kurzweil. I was, I was, that's, yeah. Yeah, 6'9",
0: probably
2: 240, 230, and he was solid. So I knew if I went shoulder to shoulder, I was going to get free. And, and we, we I knew that big dogs like uh, Tom Kennedy or Max, um, James Maximu, when they got these rebounds, like, that's something that I can't do. And every rebound they get, it just further pushes our agenda to the end. So, yeah, we were very acknowledgeable. Like, man, good shot, good steal, good screen, good pass, whatever. Because it, we were, I think our second year, our uh, motto was family. And we were, we were, we if we saw us, we were probably a good eight people deep or a good twelve people deep, just because we like being around each other.
1: Um, I kind of want to want to get in like behind the scenes and in the locker room because we uh, we had a chat, a podcast with uh, Joanna Alfonso, who is arguably the m- most decorated female rugby player at X by far, but even in Canada. And I mean the the X rugby program is one of the most successful in with national championships, a U S championships. And so she kind of gave us an inside look into their locker room Mm -hmm. um, and how like the energy in there is just a winning culture. Mm -hmm. What, what, uh, what is probably most memorable to you about your guys' locker room uh, culture?
2: Uh, I want to say it was a, it was a level of focus, but it was, um individualized where people knew that they were going to do what they did before the game so for instance like i would be in there probably doing sit-ups or or uh crunches uh-huh. um there would be another and a couple dudes like uh jordan jordan Croucher would be singing like he's the same way he sings on the radio now and his songs he's belting singing like he's performing for people and that's just what he was doing to get ready and then you'd have two dudes in the cut who were uh who were just to themselves um, sooner or later I would after I did my crunches I would take my earphones and leave to go to the back uh, to a quiet spot because I just wanted to really center and really focus on what I had to do. I was coming off the bench So I had extra time to prepare mm. But um, within our locker room man, you had people doing their own thing and it was it was like organized chaos And once coach came in the, the music went off Everybody was eyes front and center and we were all like ears open and ready to to roll Did um was uh,
0: Augie was was Augie on the team at the or, uh, assistant coach at this time or no?
2: Yeah, Augie came second year. So my my sec the, the second run for the championship. Augie came along with uh, Jeff Pierce. He was an ex player as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, Augie
2: I just... Augie brought a level of focus with uh, defense. Like he was really um he was really he he broke things down for me. You think you know until someone else shows you a different angle. You're like oh I thought I knew a lot and he broke down defense to me as far as um separating or dissecting the floor and then looking at angles like play the floor in angles versus playing the player and once he took that i started thinking about it and then it, it really picked up my intensity that much more and uh he came he brought a, a seriousness but he likes music so he also brought a relaxed little vibe which was uh it's hard to to balance but he, sure. he perfected that role for sure
1: yeah augie i i was coached by augie for the uh the Nova, The Nova Scotia provincial team when I was 14 or so, but he was he was bar, by far one of my most memorable coaches because of the level of intensity he brought on defense. Yeah. Um, and I'm not and I'm not saying I'm disappointed, but with how his career translated over into the women's program at X. Mm-hmm. I obviously you hear other players and this and that and getting getting their uh their perspective on the kind of coach he was, but. I remember, for for me, and in that team specifically, the summer of when I was 14, he he, he like you said he, he he was able to balance the intensity with the 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 support or like smoothness of being such a such a coach that connects with the players. Yep. And so I, I was almost confused as to why that didn't translate over into into the women's.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not sure. And I think when we were there, Augie had a different role as well because, uh, or not a different role, but he was in a different a different dynamic because uh, he was really close to the Halifax dudes. So you have a guy who's a, a big brother, a bud, but also a disciplinarian. And he's like, no. And he would bite dudes' heads off. Like, but at the same time, he, he cares and loves for him. But at mm-hmm. the same time, it, w- it was no BS. And this is the line. Like, we can joke up to here. And now... serious business. Um, I'm not sure what happened at um, X, but I I do know from a level of uh, understanding basketball, he helped me with my jump shot. He really helped me put an arc that I was missing. Um, And as far as defense, he had me, again, think about angles, but he also told me, like, with your quickness, like you reaching doesn't really make sense. Just just frustrate, just frustrate and be there because that's going to be more irritating than you actually going for the steal or going for things. So uh, I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. I think his level of basketball intelligence and understanding is is everything you need in a coach. Here's something I'm interested in: How was your relationship
1: with Coach K as player-coach relationship?
2: Uh, it was good. Uh, I think Coach again, he has a he has a level of calm where um, he can get the best out of you, but at the same time, he he he. Uh, has his ideas and his strategies that work. And I think we had a lot of buy-in. Um, me and coach, we were good uh, first year, second year, third year. And fourth year, I felt, and this is me, uh, Will, not being grown. Uh, fourth year, I felt that this was my year to, to shine. I waited. Uh, Denny came, Jordan left, Freddie was been gone. Um, and now I wasn't getting the shots that I wanted. And I took it to heart versus just saying, let me continue this role and do what I can do at a another level, next level. But I didn't, and that's where we kind of parted ways. There was never a cussing his name out and I'm not talking to you anymore, because the same year that I left X to go to, and Will, I think that's where I saw you, because I lived in Halifax for a year with a guy named Mike Podreski who went to that. Yeah, I remember, yeah. And yeah, so I left X in, I think, August, and then by the time Dal was or X was coming to play Dal in let's say November, me and Coach were on the the, the stands and we were um, scouting scouting the team. So we were talking. It was never any bad blood. It was just uh, this time has expired at X. I I mean I I can I can
0: really uh, I won't say relate exactly to that, but. I can feel that for me, like my, my, my story is a little bit similar in terms of like when I was there, I've always, always kind of uh, under T-Bear's shadow at St. Pat's and then at St. evex and Tyler Richards. And, and I wasn't really a household name where, but I put in, you know, a lot of time. And even in my fourth year, they recruited some guy and in my head, I'm like, yo, like, I just, I just put in like all this time. Like I thought it was yeah. like, you see me like, working against these guys all the time i'm doing everything you ask of me and more and never complaining unlike maybe other guys and then uh i'm my i wouldn't say my story is the exact same i think um a little similar where in terms of when i finish i i really want to continue playing ball and i coach didn't really he didn't give me the same vibe where instead he was kind of asking me what i was going to do with my life in terms of what profession i was looking at in my head i was I was looking at like yo, I, I was just locking down like every guy that's that's that went Joey Haywood. Um, I mean, you could argue that I was locked. I thought I was locking him down. Simon <laughs> Freen, all the guys that went and played pro. Right. I thought I won those matchups every game.
2: Mm-hmm. And so to,
0: to go to coach at the one I was done, and to not hear him say, listen, like I think you can go play at the next level. That was kind of for me. It was kind of a similar thing where it was a little hurtful. Where it was like. I like, I, I really think I'm that, like I'm, I'm at that level now. And so right. it was kind of the same, you know, I, I love coach. Don't get me wrong. But oh, yeah. like at that point it, 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 it kind of cut deep a little bit. And that's one of those things where I let it get in. I got my feelings a bit and uh, took it, took it too much to hurt when I should have just said, you know what, like at the end of the day, like whether he thinks this or not, I gotta, I gotta believe in myself regardless. Yeah. So that, so that's, a, I can, man, I can, I can understand that completely. Yeah, it,
2: it was it was more of a because like I love coast to Death too. I still got them on the sale, and we we'll chop it up here and there. But um, it was the idea. It's tough too because from seventh grade, so that's around 12 to 22, 23, you're balling, right? Mm-hmm. And you've always graduated. Maybe it was even a natural progression because you have to go from uh elementary to middle school and you have to go from middle school to high school so that's a natural progression but then when you get to that level of cutoff I just wasn't ready to put the ball down man like it was if I, I had a drug that was my drug you mm-hmm. know what I mean and I I needed that to keep going and I'm, I'm a competitor so even to this day luckily like I'm in the clinic now but uh, on the other side of this wall there's a there's a a court in a indoor uh, hoop and me and JD we'll still go and we'll still bet meals we'll still bet you know whatever we're talking trash for each other when we're playing so it's easier to do that now but at that time i wasn't ready to let go so it really struck a nerve and mm-hmm. i took it personal when it really 100 percent. It, it really was just evolution man
1: well we we talk about that a lot now is that when athletes finish playing their sport they're like, like even even i'm kind of I'm kind of experiencing just because I graduated last year, yep. even though I never had like the ambition to go above and beyond university, it's something I played my entire life. Mm-hmm. And and now I'm kind of sitting here, I just like I don't have that same thing to get up get up and compete at every single day. Right. right. Like uh, even just for the both of you two, how did how did you guys like deal with that? How did you deal with when the force
0: down- I can I couldn't hear what you said. Sorry.
1: Um, just, just like like when athletes finish playing their sport, how yeah. how, how did you guys deal with the fact that uh, you were almost forced to put down the ball? How did how did you go about that? You
0: want to take your wheel? Um, I'd say for me, I did. So the one thing when I finish, I try to get game tape because obviously that's what players need to be um, if you want to go to the next level. Coach didn't have much. I don't know if a bunch of guys had taken some of it from that, that were also graduating or that needed it. I'm not really sure. So I was kind of, I was a bit bummed from that. The Dalhousie coach at the time helped me out and gave me some game film. So I went through like the kind of the process that some players do, where they put together a highlight uh, mm, tape. A couple, a couple guys helped me a bit. Um, that being said, I didn't have like, every game that i wanted me my role on the team at that time wasn't a big time score so a lot of my highlights typically weren't like me breaking guys down um because like el talked about you you, you follow your role and you do your role well like you know i, I could you know i had triple doubles i had numbers like that I, I stuffed this but either way i did that and then i went to a camp in, in ontario or in toronto i did that and i think t- going back to what el and i said about me kind of being in my feelings i think that really kind of took over for a bit where i was kind of just i was so disappointed that i i felt like i didn't have the support that that other people were giving me from from uh from the program or from that it it almost it almost stopped me in terms of the the drive and and everything that I had from my first year at X into my last year in terms of getting up early, hitting the weight room before every practice. Because for me, like Gary Gallimore was throwing me around on the court. <laughs> Doc Ryan wasn't calling any calls. The same <laughs> idea as to what you said. I was getting thrown around until I kind of, I kept working out. I kept going to the gym. I just said, and then all that work that I used to do once I got to my fifth year and then I felt like I, I wasn't, I didn't have that support. It kind of, it kind of stopped me in my tracks in terms of me wanting to push harder because I felt like, man, if I worked this hard till now, like, and, and I'm, and then nobody's here to, to kind of help take me to that next level. It all, again, it was, it was, it was almost like, yo, you let it get, I let it get in my feelings and I kind of just, I kind of just stopped. uh, I don't know. Like I just, it just stopped me in my tracks for a bit. And then I was stuck in the city with with Bear and Gary and Tyler and all these guys had kind of played for the Rainmen and stuff. And I watched what happened with them mm-hmm. via the Rainmen and they didn't get much time. So in my head, I was like, okay, if if I'm like at the bottom of these guys in terms of what people look at St. Sanevex players and they're not even getting much time for the Rainmen, which is a pro team,
2: yeah. why am
0: I going to waste my time trying to follow this dream? when I can go work at a restaurant and make double or, or triple what they're going to make in a year
1: set in for you at some. So point.
0: that's, that's when it kind of set in for me where it was like, you know what, like if I'm watching guys that, you know, are, are more uh, decorated in terms of St. of X basketball players, why am I going to go, keep going down the same path? If, if I'm, if they're not even getting any love in this league, like they're sure as hell, I'm, they're not going to give me any love, even if they're not reaching out to me. So that's where it kind of, hit me at that point where I was like, all right, like I might as well start making some money for myself and start saving something. And, uh, that essentially that's what kind of happened. It just, that kind of stopped me in my tracks where it was like, yo, like I, I put all my time in for this, like, where's, where's somebody to kind of push me. To, I needed, you know, I needed somebody, but at the end of the day, it, it wasn't that it was me losing focus and kind of getting in my own head and the bubble kind of grew up. It, it got big a little bit, right. Because mm-hmm. I had a little success. Right. So that uh, that's that would be my answer.
2: Yeah, I, I think my my answer is, um, you know, I'm I'm confident in myself and I, I know what I'm capable of. But at the same time, I, I got a realistic vein that goes like straight down my spine. And I didn't put all my ba- all my eggs in one basket. But I had a good nine out of twelve in there. So luckily, with my education, I just kept pursuing it. I realized that dudes I grew up with who were going pros uh, overseas like there's a guy back home named Ramad Marshall, um, another guy uh, named name me, but they, they were major players and every, anytime when I went home to play with them, I was still not getting the best of them. So, they were going pro and I was like, well, you know what, it's, it's, it's been a good long road and I can still bust people up at the Y, I can still bust people up on, on the, the blacktop, but uh mm-hmm. something has to has to move something has to become a new priority and i can still play basketball i can still love to watch it i can still be as invested as it will allow but there there has to be a point where that uh education it, it, it takes the forefront now and how do i move on mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and um when did you uh i mean you took you you, you said uh you studied psych at x when did uh as soon as you finished, did you know, like, boom, what you're going to do, or did did it take you a little bit to kind of figure out, okay, I'm going to open my own practice, like, how does, how does, how do you go from finishing school to, to, to running your own practice?
2: Oh, man, that was, (laughs) that's a, that's a starting point of what do I do after basketball to an end point of 15 years, because after X, I transferred, tried to go to Dow, the Dow coach didn't think I was serious, so then I went to Lakehead and played with, uh, the Lakehead, Thundercats, um, Thunderwolves, sorry, Thunderwolves, Uh, Scotty Morrison was a coach and uh, he brought me up there for a year. So I was still looking at going overseas and there were some people who were interested but if they want to import, they don't want to import who's 5'9", they want to import who's like 6'10", in diesel and dunk it every time he touches it. So uh, that went through uh, its course and I went back home with a psych degree, you need, you need a masters a, a ba will get you a job but it, it's hard to find a job in your field to your liking so uh i looked at the grad school my sister at she attended uh and they had my program there for uh counseling and psychology and i went there uh probably in two years or three years after i actually graduated. yeah three years after i graduated um ex so from 2003 to 2006 i was playing ball and then i was working uh, I was doing some uh, supply teaching, working at a tool shop. My friend got me a job at a tool shop. I don't know the first thing about tools, you know. <laughs> <laughs> my pops is a handyman, but man, I am lost. But I, needed <laughs> some, I needed some cash flow, you know what I mean? So, my boy That's Brandon, hooked, he hooked me up. And from there, I went to a roofing company, worked there, right. and then roofing company, uh, went to grad school. And from there, it was more so just, just uh, doing my internships and reading up, getting experience. Um, my boy JD who is from Ottawa he brought me up for his wedding and um, I went to talk to the school board and at that time it was probably like 2008 so you had your resumes in um, in email uh, form so you just you just open your email and there it is and I printed it off and I went down to the school board and said hey I'm in town just visiting can I chop it up and talk to the lead psychologist she happened to be there and we made a connection i stayed in contact all through grad school just uh emailing her and, sh- and then i said well i'm finished now so you have a spot for me and she's like well if if you're serious I'll, I'll bring you up i'll take i'll actually take your resume to hr myself but i need to know you're serious because they said not many americans want to come to canada it's usually the opposite
1: sure. so
2: once she found out that i was sincere about it um i came up and that was in 2011 and from 2011 to now I've did, or I did a little bit of private practice, and then JD had a spot in his. Uh, he has three physio clinics, so Jeez, wow. uh, one of them he wanted to make a wellness, more so wellness based. So it's physio, there's speech language pathology, there's a massage therapist, and then there's me. So it was an opportunity, you know, an X connection, and I wanted to fly and see how far I could go.
0: I love it. That's uh, just. There's some really funny—I don't want to say coincidences, but it's funny that you say your dad's a handyman, you're not. Oh my, my god! <laughs> my my father built built uh, would would uh, build old take old frame Volvo frames like 68, 70, and and build a, a whole new car. My whole life, and I know nothing mm, about yeah. cars or doing anything like that, let alone, you know, my, my girlfriend laughs at me to this day, saying like, "Oh, Will the handyman?" Like, <laughs> haha. Yeah. And, and and I did roofing so it's really interesting that like you're you kind of very similar a lot of similar similarities
2: Man, um basketball parallels yeah yeah the skills but no skills because like, my dad he 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 wired our house for our uh, sound system he can go under your your hood of your car and he can meddle around and find some things he built the deck on our house like you know my dad can do it all and then me yeah. i'm shut down you know what <laughs> i mean <laughs> no
1: it, um it, it's just, I love to hear your journey after X because, like I said, I'm kind of, st- I'm in that stage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Where it's, I'm, I, I'm trying to find my tracks again, yep. and and will. I repeatedly say this, this podcast has allowed me to pick brains of so many different kind of people and kind of, you know, learn their journey after after university and into the, the professional world. So, listening to to hear you you tell your journey is just kind of it's uh, gratifying for me because it's it's a game of patience at the end of the day and and mainly saying yes to things that you wouldn't ne- necessarily expect and seeing where that goes like you say see how high you can fly so um yeah. it's amazing it's
2: amazing to hear that well, well i think, uh, well, I, I you think with, with, with this piece um to, to do my own practice that came after i work at someone else's private practice so i was able to watch from afar or close by and pick out the good parts that i like and throw out the bad parts I like and or I don't like and put something in that I think is better for for my practice mm-hmm. um but yeah first off man you want to jump in and that's that's just kind of where you are you graduate you got your degree you say man this is what everybody talks about I got my degree sure. so I, I can just you know jump head first but I think had I uh had I it's like the idea you you can't walk until you're ready like little kids don't walk until they're ready yeah. not you see them stumble you see them go back and forth and yeah you got it but had I jumped into a practice at, as soon as I left X one, I didn't have the education or the 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 registration credentials to do it. Mm. Secondly, I had no clue, and it's cool to learn on the job, but probably only when you have to. Right. Exactly. Um,
0: that's, that's interesting that you say that because I have a friend that he's been dying. He's he's a chef. He's been always talking about opening his own restaurant, but he's never run. He's never run a kitchen. He's never done anything like that. So it's kind of similar in terms of what you say is like you got to learn from watching other people do it and 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 learn from watching their mistakes or watching their successes and changing things that you would like to see change before you actually open something yourself to make sure that, you know, instead of learning on the fly and potentially maybe harming somebody by not giving them you might learn on the fly, but you might hurt somebody else by doing that, especially in your profession. Um, right. right which, so that's, that's really, it's really neat that you note that. Cause that's, I think people need to hear that. Mm. Um, I, I kind of have a, I got a couple questions that I want to ask um, us being both kind of smaller stature players in sport for, especially mm. for basketball. Um, did that ever affect your mental health in terms of uh, I don't know, like on the court at all or, or, you know, not, being maybe respected the way you felt you should be respected just maybe speaking to players that smaller smaller uh players that are listening in high school that you know might feel down sometimes because uh other guys might get chose over them because of they're just taller but they might not be as an effective player like did that ever weigh on you or did you ever have to you know
2: no it not at all it was always a vertical i mean it's always a vertical game right and was I, I I got what they call height envy. like I, I hate when people are six, four and six, because that's what I want to be. even one of my best friends growing up, derek green. he He's from a a, a family of giants. Like he's six four, his older brother's six four, the other older brother's like six, six. His dad's like six five. And they're just tall. And I was always wanting to be tall just because it makes the game easier, you know, you grow mm-hmm. idolizing. Uh, Again, like Michael Jordan, or for the Hornets, it was a guy named Kendall Gill. So I remember him, yeah. Yeah, I like these dudes and I want to be able to play like them. But at the same time, you got to realize where your strengths are. And had it not been for Muggsy and Spud Webb, people like uh, Robert Pack, Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, all these small giants. In a sense, man, because they dominated. Muggsy dominated and he never, you know, the turnovers. You look at, well, if I don't turn the ball over, that keeps me on the court. For sure. If I make good decisions, that keeps me on the court. Now everyone can't have hops like Spud Webb, but I did the best. <laughs> like I was I was doing air alert too, you know, I hey. trying to get my hops, you know, just trying to try to dunk it. And um, I was always able to get a rebound, but I wasn't able to dunk it. So I figured yeah. as long as I can do what needs to be done, it's kind of like, well, a dunk or a layup. They're both two points. So do what you can. I would say for the young bucks and the the, the smaller statured players, just just find what you can do. And can you score? It's like Steph Curry. Steph Curry scores 30 points, but he doesn't do it the way Jordan did it. You know what I mean? He doesn't do it the way LeBron does it. So if that's what you want to do, if that's what you want to compete, find your way that works for you and know that you can be effective. Because everyone, at the end of the day, everybody has to abide by those rules and on the hardcore, right everyone had they, they can't walk no one can be in the in key longer than three seconds yeah so we're all with the same uh rules just how can you apply it differently and effectively interesting
0: learning learning to take make maybe your what some may deem your weaknesses and in, in terms of your strengths like being able to pester somebody and not let them even cross the half with ba- the ball yeah. in their hands or or get a steal when they can't you know coming from behind or something like that
2: exactly like you you can't tower over them like a center. So I was always trying to get under, because when smaller people are under you, it makes you so uncomfortable. Exactly. I was going underneath them. So they were timid in the same way as if I was six, nine and they were timid to go over me.
1: It's really, it's really, when you look at it, it's really a game of Mm -hmm. self-awareness. And again, the most, the kind of the most uh, enjoyed, like uh, episodes that we've done so far, uh, the most successful people, in a sense, are the ones that are most most self-aware, mm-hmm. right? saying like, "Oh, this, this pro life's not for me," or "or this this game's not for me," or "this direction in life isn't for me." It's it it's, it really just comes down to being self-aware and uh, believing in yourself, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Because you can either like as a smaller dude, you can either you can dunk it if you have crazy hops, uh, or you can float it, but you're still going to get it over the person. Still two points. Yeah, me trying to, like Steve Nash, you float king or uh, Tony Parker, float kings, yeah. right? And they, yeah. they, they dominated, but they weren't, you know, may, maybe the crowd wasn't oohing and iron and they weren't jumping out of their seats, but you mm-hmm. knew Tony Parker was killing you with that floater. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, MVP, finals
2: MVP. Yeah. Um,
0: I, another question I had, um, actually, this kind of, this comes from, we just started this. We we ask uh, followers, like, if they have a question to ask. Um, yep. This one came from somebody that said, can you can you give any insight in terms of what players deal with in terms of the yips? So I'm thinking of a person laughed and said, "Man, what's the I, he said what's <laughs> he said what's the yips?" I've never even heard that. And I said, "Man, you're too young to hear that. Like, you don't even know what that means." But I'm thinking I'm thinking back into national championship guy at the line. Yep. Miss so you're up. What 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 goes through players' minds like psych- psych- psychologically when when you know when. The crowd's just silent and the, everything's on the line. Like, can you give any insight into that? Yeah, Maybe not I, to, to somebody, per, you know, particularly, but
2: <laughs> the yips just so into uh, the
0: hypothetical.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think in the, in the yips that's actually a golf term that they use for basketball, right? Or for any sport where you have that, that hesitation or whatever. Um, I think what's really important in your sport is knowing, for one, uh, that focus comes in different forms. So there's a broad focus and then there's a narrow focus. Uh, you would know, uh Will, point guard, you need a broad focus. You have to see not only your teammates, you have to see their defenders, you have to see your defender, you have to hear coach over here, you have to look at the shot clock, right? You have to make sure you're in bounds. So that's a broad focus you need that is very necessary. But in that moment when you're on the free throw line, you need to have that narrow focus where Crowd is, is hoo-ha, maybe they're even booing you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the score is, you know, we're down two. We need, or we're down one. We need these two to win at the buzzer or at the at the end of the clock. You need to be able to focus and, for one, know that nothing matters here but this shot. Secondly, you have to realize that you've hit this free throw many a times before. A lot of times with adversity in, in any walk of life, not just sports, a lot of times adversity, adversity will help you forget where you've been. It will help you forget to say, yeah, I've I've conquered this mountain before. or I've come into this challenge before. So now you start to worry, you start to panic, and then you start to doubt. And as a player, that doubt is what that yips is because you're like, man, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm hesitant, and when we hesitate and you think, it's really difficult because you want to teach basketball IQ, but you also want to teach instinct. And this Mm. is how I react at the moment. And just for you to get to that line and know that this – Free throw would be no different whether you're on um, at your home goal, like in the backyard, mm-hmm. or if you're with the boys uh, at the Y, just chilling out, shooting free throws. Like this is the same shot, but now there's a bit more pressure. So let's let's knock out all this pressure and do what I've done a thousand times.
0: And that's why that's why people have routines essentially. Yeah, so it's, ref-
2: yeah routines. It gets you, you know, it gets you into a rhythm, but it, it also. Is is for that person? I think when Tristan you talk about being self-aware, and, and it's about you realizing that I've done this shot in practice, I've done this shot at home. I can do this, and this pressure shouldn't shouldn't weigh on how I perform because it's just take a take shot. Home. Yeah, it's just a shot.
0: Interesting. Um, no, I, that it's, that,
1: was, that was definitely for me. That was a part of my routine. When you hear routine, like a free throw routine, you think of how many dribbles you take and spin the ball, but there's also, it's important to have a mental routine as well, and I use that all the time. Whenever I was in on the free throw line during a game, uh, I used to put myself back into a, the practice of me shooting the free throw as well. So it's it, like mental imagery played such a role yeah. in my free throw routine. Visualization.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: And I mean I'm not trying to brag or nothing but I I do have the all-time percentage <laughs> What's that?
0: Well it's, it's it's okay when you go to the line 5 times the whole hey, year. Just,
1: just to put that out there. Just to put it out.
2: There. What's the percentage uh, Tristan? What's the percentage?
1: It was like 96 I think. Ooh, man. Now, now, I didn't go 100 times during the season, but I just hey,
2: want names in the book. It don't matter it's out there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um I got a couple more questions. If you, is, are you still good for time? How much? I don't yeah, want to yeah, hold you. No, no, I'm straight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of them is uh, as, a, as a, we talk all the time about sports, um, as you know, this is top of the food chain podcast. We talk about food chains and life has kind of a food chain. And yep. um, how important is it for, is it important for players or professionals or students to understand um, kind of the, their their situation or their awareness and and understand what they're allowed to question or say um or how and how they deliver the their their messages to people like for example if you're a, a young player at x your first year are you coming at randy nor the same way or the the rookie or are, are they saying the same things to the the captains or if mm-hmm. you're if you're out if you're um uh when you were talking about in practice and when you started, um, doing your, uh, you didn't start your own practice. What did you do before? Again, you,
2: um, I worked at school boards. I worked at, uh, institutions. Yeah, yeah. Was it,
0: was it important the way you would ask questions to your leaders, um, to not come off certain ways? Like, is that, is that important in terms of how you talk to people in, in life? Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, a big believer in terms of when, when you're delivering a message to somebody, um, whether it's somebody kind of considered above you or below you, that the way th- in which you say it and how it comes off um, matters. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah, I th- yeah, I think communication is key. And it's not communication, it's effective communication, right? How, how can I get the best out of this person? Uh, I think from from man to woman to, whoever, to whomever, no matter what level you are, there has to be a level of respect. Like if I'm going at it's it's not and it's not about me being right, it's about me expressing this to that person so that they know that okay, this is what you said, this is what happened, how can we find this solution here, right? And sometimes this is where it takes a, a bit of a, a pause button because when we're heated and when we're playing sports, we do want to go at people's throats. Your 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 intensity is elevated. So it makes you react a little bit more quickly without thinking about what I should say. And I'm a big believer in hierarchy. Uh, and, and not to the point where uh, money comes into order, but just uh, your elders, uh, authority figures. Um, like my sure. teacher, even though my teacher might be wrong, it's like like my mom, my mom, loves her to death. And when she's wrong, sometimes I just got to swallow it. That's my mom's. I mean, and I think if you... As long as people have their best intent when they're trying to do something for you, whether that's a teacher, whether that's a a coach, whether that's a parent, then it's easier to swallow. Uh, I think it's really extreme and rare when it it causes for you to jump out of skin and really go at someone sideways, though it is necessary from time to time. Uh, I always want to make sure that when I'm talking to people that at least – They understand that I'm coming from just a place of correction and not from a place of challenging uh, an authority figure or even not even correction, maybe clarity. Maybe clarity is the best word for it. I'm just trying to Mm -hmm. see clarity here. So moving forward, I don't make the same mistake. And moving forward, you don't have irrational expectations of me. Mm -hmm. But as far as the coach, I think a coach has has a, a system. And sometimes it might be the wrong system for the players, but he is the captain of the ship. Yeah. So and and that's different in the pros because pros you pay you pay the players significantly higher than you pay the coach. So who's easier to get rid of? That becomes a financial political thing. Yeah. But if you could really buckle down and look at someone like Popovich, do you really buckle down and look at someone like Coach? Like they've been there. So as a young buck, as a young player, do you really think you know more than this coach? Do you think you know more than them? I mean, you might have skill, you might be an exceptional talent. Yeah. But do you know more? this coach
0: how do you 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 said sometimes you do out you might have to come at somebody sideways a rare occasion how do you know what that occasion is like are there are there indicators that you should be like okay he's just i'm trying to read or he or she i'm trying to be as reasonable rational as i can and nothing's working like what do you how do you get to that level as a as a person in a position that which you are or as a coach like how do you tell a youth like how do you come at them sideways to, to let them know like listen, I'm trying to go every way around doing this, but I'm I'm only forced to, to do this now.
2: I think I think those uh those markers are different for different people. Okay. Uh, but I think some things to consider are if it's gonna make you snap, then you probably need to walk away. Or maybe we don't need to interact. If it comes to that level, then let's maintain our respect, let's maintain our, our cordial communication here, and let's just let's let's Bygones we be bygones. We're part ways. Mm. Uh, secondly, one thing is like uh, I try to tell a lot of people um, your uh, your words. And a friend of mine told me this, but your words are like toothpaste. Like once you squeeze it out, it, it won't go back into that, too. Right, like right. You can never it's have such a, you know, what well, I mean? Like yeah. you never forget. So you can you can say I'm sorry. You can apologize. And it might it might go like we might move past it but it will never be erased. So if you're going to say something, if you're going to snap at somebody, realize that this might be the the last thing you say in this type of relationship. Like don't bite the hand that feeds you. Sometimes it's best just to swallow it, grin and bear it, and then move and make your own lane when the time is appropriate.
0: That's a really interesting
2: analogy of of you
0: talking about words. Like, because nobody's perfect. Everybody said things in their life that they regret and wish they could take back. But it's so interesting the way that you say that the to- like a toothpaste it sticks. It's kind of
1: mm-hmm.
0: once it once it goes out, you can't really you said, like you said, you move on it. And to me, it's it, that really hits me because I've had conversations with people that are close to me, and you know, they've said things that are kind of like blown me out of the water where I'm like, and they've apologized. and I've the type of person I am, you know, i'm I'm ready to move on. But like you said, they're still there. The the toothpaste yeah. is still out of the bottle. You know what I mean. <laughs> so you know, at the end of the day, like it's hard to take that stuff back. So <laughs> anybody listening, make sure like that's such a such an important point to make. It's like walk away before you snap,
2: because yeah, once you. I mean, I mean, and we're human, right? We're full of emotion. And that's what makes us human versus a a computer. And right. those six primary emotions, anger is one of them. So it's going to be visible everywhere. However, it, it's really having the poise, having the poise to say, okay, this person is making my skin itch and making my blood boil. Uh, But if you can have that forward thought to say, if I say this, this will be the outcome. It will be negative. It might, uh, impact my job. It might impact this relationship. It might impact, uh, my ability to be successful. And it's not the the idea of, of being fake. It's just about the idea of how you maneuver yourself so that when you do part ways, it's a whatever. And I can move on knowing that this situation wasn't tainted by anything that I did.
1: Right. And this is why this is where my interest for psychology comes into play, because you can you can see this situation or scenario happen every day in life. Mm -hmm. I just keep going back to what you said is don't excuse the behavior, but understand it. Um, That's just why psychology fascinates me. And it's, 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 amazing to hear you say
2: it don't get me wrong and we're human so if we do part on a cordial level but still with some 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 static i probably won't do you any favors you know what i mean it won't be any favors but at least i didn't blow up and i didn't snap and and act a fool in the moment um do you
0: think do you think your your education um outside of your education in terms of what you learned like from, from the, uh, from the books and the, the, uh, programs, do you think your time at X on those, those, uh, those, w- those winning teams, or, uh, do you think that helped you kind of understand what you were learning through school in terms of, um, the basketball side of things and, and being able to apply what you were learning to kind of some experiences that you, that you went through on, on those championship teams?
2: Yeah, because, uh, the championship was, um, was the final piece, but there, there was so much underneath the surface that you had to, to manage and you had to deal with. And I mean, we're all smiling with the ring, with the, with the, with the um, trophy, but there's some blood, sweat and tears that goes before that. And all of those things that where you learn how to, uh, to the teamwork to coexist, to, to manage and, and posse up when, your opposers are um, getting the best of you, adversity, all those things, taking direction. I mean, like I said, Coach K, great coach, uh, love him to death. But everything he said to me, I didn't receive like, a, oh, yeah, cool. Like I don't want to make it seem like I'm some kumbaya type dude. Uh, but I was able to take these lessons and apply it to not only wor- uh, my psychology studies, but then you just apply it to life as well mm. as the elders before me. Like I come from My crew and my tribe around me, I have coaches, I got uh, friends, parents, where you can learn from them. And I think the biggest thing that I learned was not to make one, my same mistakes twice, and to also learn from other people's mistakes. So I don't have to go through that rigmarole. You know what I mean? 100%. 100%. Another
0: question. Um, Sorry, I'm just peppering you with questions right now. It's all good.
2: Um,
0: We, as for Tristan and I, um, you know, we kind of struggle sometimes with this because we've had um, a lot of our guests have been African Canadian or African American, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's not easy for us to understand certain topics or or you know we I've had discussions with my roommates or my girlfriend where might um, might not be seeing things eye to eye or just not understanding quite from from their perspective. How important is it to have um kind of leadership mentorship professional people that maybe uh like kind of look like you in in life growing up Mm -hmm. in terms of you know what i mean like for for you to 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 have somebody in your position in kind of touching with with kids and working with kids youth especially in basketball like you're going to be or whatever is that is it important because it's these aren't always always easy topics for the two of us to discuss with people because some people right. might look at us like man they're just white privileged entitled guys that like they don't know anything they're talking about so kind of mm-hmm. from you like can can you speak on that at all
2: yeah well I think it's it's the idea of um, thinking as as a collective right we, we're we're collectives though we we somewhat co uh, we, we exist uh, separately um, it's the idea as as young people, they have to have uh, they have to be able to envision themselves in someone's school. It's kind of, I mean in someone's shoes. It's kind of like someone who went who who made it from the pros or made it to the pros from your city or from your neighborhood. You see that someone who walked in similar you know parks and uh, went to the same schools and brought up in the same churches that they are able to achieve. And when you don't see people who resemble you in these places then I want, sometimes the dream doesn't seem achievable, but sometimes it doesn't even come into your concept. You're like, well, I don't know. Like, what are you going to be? Well, I don't know. It just doesn't seem obtainable. This doesn't seem like it's in the cards for me. Whereas it does help when you see someone who can be whatever it is you're aspiring to be, whether you want to own your, your, your own, um, I don't know, let's say you want to own a a, a boat leasing uh, company or whatever, Mm -hmm. or you want to, have a, uh, your own law, law firm, or you want to own your own team, right? If you see someone who looks like you, then it does give you a bit of uh, a model. It does give you a bit of a concept to say, oh, well, if they did, then why not me? But it, it does become hard when you see or uh, well, when you don't see that because, again, it doesn't come into your your concept. And,
1: the, and I guess that's where Will's saying for us it's hard because as, as white males there's almost nothing that we don't have representation in, mm-hmm. and and by having conversations uh, with minorities I guess or our I guess it's opening up the fact that this is a real this is real for a lot of people growing mm-hmm. up they don't have a lot of, like even women there we were just talking we just released the episode with shelby who's working for the raptors and she said this it wasn't always like this and the importance of having females in these kind of roles right and for isn't for us it's for the generation growing up to be able to see someone
2: for sure for sure i won't like it's and for you guys just because you're white doesn't mean that you can't contribute and let people know that okay well just because you don't see that doesn't mean that it's not in the cards for you right it's all about encouragement and you're right, Tristan, it's for the next next generation. I got you know two blood um, nephews and I got nephews of great friends that call me and consider me an uncle. I want that next step, that next level for them to be something that they assume and not even have to question or not even have to seek and find. And it can be from any type of minority group, whether it's race, whether it's gender, whether it's preference of um, a sexual orientation, Mm-hmm. it's for these people to say you know what? in a collective we all can be what we dream to be but you got to have that model or that encouragement so that you can begin that dream that's
0: yeah that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's kind of what i was i was getting at that's a really really nice answer um uh tristan do you have have any anything else i'm just looking at my sheet right now um yeah, do you, uh el do you have anything that you want is there anything that you want to touch on or anything like um i know again i'm going to kind of touch back on the the the, the uh actually this is kind of a question we asked our guests in terms of um athletics and basketball obviously mm-hmm. top of the food chain um i always say sports and fitness have really uh kind of scary um translations to life in terms of lessons that you learn um yeah. is it, what what can What's the biggest lesson that you kind of learned from either sport or fitness that has kind of translated into your your everyday practice in life and and
2: or whatnot? Uh, probably how to manage adversity. Like just to to know that uh, my expectation is to to do something, and now a rain cloud comes, or uh, there's something that's disrupted my my, my initial thought, my initial expectation of success, uh, learning that with that adversity is just going to be uh, the power of problem solving. And mm. it, it's probably it's, it's probably going to be the least desired option to get myself where I need to be. So like I tell people or I try to help people see that sometimes when you have an expectation and then now you run into a problem, let's problem solve. How can we get around this? And uh, let's just say if you had to turn in an essay to a to a, a a professor. The professor, you turn it in. Initially, you just want to do the uh, essay, turn it in, and off you go. But if they say, well, look, you did the wrong thing, so now how are you going to make this um, this essay right? That means you probably have to go home. You have to stay up all night. Your boys are going out partying, and now you have to beat the the, the midnight or burn the midnight oil and work till, so that you can turn this in by the deadline of seven or eight a.m. And that was the least desired option you had. But however, it, it had to be done.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: problem solving and realizing that the way to get around challenges often will be the least desired option. Well, nice I guess we should just
1: finish off with uh, we always ask every, every one of our guests, uh, because this is Top of the Food Chain podcast and everything to do with Will's brand. Um, what does Top of the Food Chain mean to you and, and how does it apply in your everyday life?
2: Top of the food chain. I think uh, realizing getting where you fit in, top of the food chain, is also making sure that you are able to, um, if you're not part of that top of the food chain, knowing how you can strive to get to the top. I think I see Will. you do a lot of training and it, crazy, crazy stuff. I don't know how you do that bouncing on the, the ball, man. I can only do squats. You're doing like, – uh, <laughs> barbell and you're doing jump shots and all that stuff but i think at the top of the food chain just sets a, a precedent of what's uh what's uh at the top and what's uh, you can aspire for to 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 be the best and to be the best you so um yeah i i've checked um all of these uh podcasts and it's crazy and yeah, i think what y'all got is is super cool man i i, I like the
0: i like what you said it's like to say for you to say like, yeah I see what you're doing. It's crazy. It's crazy for me. It's, it's, it's cool to see what you're doing. Cause to me, what you're doing is crazy. It's like, you're running your own, your own practice. You're, you're consistently growing. You're consistently learning over and over. Right. And you're able to give us your time, give the viewers some really important lessons, some really important messages that, that I I wouldn't be able to give them because I'm not on, I'm not in that food chain. And we talk (laughs) all the time. There's, there's different food chains and, and um, one of the biggest things that I say all the time is that, you you know, you can be successful in, in practice or in profession, but you need, you you can't be considered at the top if you're not a, if you're not a um, genuine, good hearted person. And, and I truly believe that you are, and I'm, anybody that works with you um, definitely is lucky to have you based on, you know, not only your, your accolades uh, at X, but just, your accolades via education and, and your success, um, your co- constant success and grind. Like it's it's really, man, this was really exciting for me to get on here with you because you're kind of one of my idols in terms of watching X players and, and kind of keeping that in my mind throughout when I played. So it's it's really, you know, I've only really kind of caught up with you over the last year and kind of maybe seen where you're at in life. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's even more, it's even more aspiring to know that, you know, I, I'm not there right now in terms of my education level per se. Um, I don't know if I'll be doing the exact same thing, but I know that, you know, I can I can I can strive to be at a level, wh- whatever it is at where you're at, because you're you're pushing the limits. You know yeah. what I mean? Nice. Even if it's even if it's not playing pro basketball overseas. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah for sure. You can,
0: athletes can still be extremely successful doing other things. Um, oh man, yeah.
2: You take those soft skills from the court, and then you apply them to your daily life. But I think it, it with you guys and at your your younger ages, just because you're you're after me as far as uh, your attendance at X, I think you guys y'all have this this vision and this this focus that I think is is highly admirable because you're you're establishing who uh, what your brand is and you're establishing what you want to focus on, and you're you're taking that that risk where sometimes people would wait for it. But now you guys are just saying, Oh, you know, we can create our own lane and and, and drive it on out. I think it's it's awesome.
1: Yeah. No, I appreciate that, EL. And I I learned a ton just from just from uh, picking your brain here. So um where where can people where can people find you and if they want to learn more about your practice and what you
2: do? Uh, uh it's uh, elapsychology.com. dot com. And I'm on, I just got on IG, man, but I'm such a dinosaur with that. Baby, welcome to it. <laughs> this ELA psychology. I'm going to be uh, starting to post things too. So ELA psychology on Instagram and ELA psychology.com is my website. Love it.
0: Thank you. Pre- I appreciate yeah. it again for you have, having, having uh, coming on here with us and, and just to one more touch on one more thing that you said, thank you for saying that because I've talked to people before about, I find people always wait and wait and wait until they're later on in, prof- in their life and they're 40 and 50 and 60 before they start creating kind of whether it's a brand or whether it's a um, volunteer or a support group in terms mm-hmm. of giving back. They wait mm-hmm. rather than starting when they're at an age where they can kind of they, ha- they have a grasp of kind of the ideas or the problems that are kind of facing people yeah. every day so thank you for that because that that means a lot to us and especially to me because that's something i talk about all the time is not being not being scared to kind of do something that you people might say oh you, you shouldn't be doing that or mm-hmm. oh, you're not re- you're not ready for that
2: for sure yeah if you got a vision man put it in practice put yeah. it in practice and apply it it's, it's good to think and it's good to brainstorm but sooner or later that rubber has to hit the road and you have to put it into motion so i think it's cool what y'all are doing super cool
1: I appreciate Appreciate that. Hey, that's episode 14, everyone. Thank you very much.
2: All right, y'all. Thanks again.